and for our uh, time of teaching this morning, we want to actually speak a little bit about Thanksgiving. And I know in my life that Thanksgiving is one of the areas of my life that is quick to go. It's really easy to be unthankful. It's really easy to be critical of others. It's really easy for me to be angry over circumstances. It is really easy for me to not be thankful for all that I have. It's really easy for me not to be content. And I don't know if you're like me, but Thanksgiving is not just something that just automatically wells up within me and it overflows. And so why is that? And obviously it's indwelling sin, it's our pride, it's our idolatry, it's, 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 it's all those things. But it's also because we need our minds to be wrapped more and more around the story of God, to be wrapped around the power of the gospel, to be thankful in everything we do, to be able to understand that God has called us with all that, we, all that he's given us to be thankful people and be thankful participators uh, in his story and in his mission. And Paul understood this. Paul wanted Thanksgiving to abound in his churches. And uh, this morning what I want to do is just kind of look with you in the book of Colossians about how Paul uses Thanksgiving. And it shows up quite a bit in Colossi, Colossi uh, the book of Colossians, if you will. And it shows up a lot in, in, in unexpected ways. If you are familiar with the book of Colossians at all, you know Paul wrote it while he was in prison. He was suffering for Jesus. And, and he wrote to the Colossians to combat a, a Gnostic heresy, uh, a whole bunch of different issues that the church at Colossi was dealing with. But sprinkled in through these four chapters are six references to Thanksgiving. And what I want to do is just kind of highlight each one of these references for you and uh, give you a couple of thoughts on each one of these six references. And maybe one or two of them at the end will have hit you. And that's what I would encourage you is as these wash over your soul, as Scripture comes and the Spirit of God does His work in us, I would encourage you to be talking afterwards with people you're with, or even if you're alone with the Spirit of God, which of these aspects of being thankful about Thanksgiving is really meeting you where you're at today. And so we're going to just start, jump right into Colossians chapter 1 and uh, verse 3. In the very first opening sentence, Paul uses the word thanksgiving. He says in verse 3, he says this, We always thank God, the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all of God's people. The first thing I notice about this first instance of Thanksgiving is the, 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 the direction. Paul doesn't immediately just thank God for the Colossians. He, he, he goes not straight to the Colossians, but he goes straight to God for the Colossians. The direction of thanksgiving is always to God for something. I don't know if this rings a bell with you or not, but I often find myself saying, you know what, I want to thank you for doing this act for me. I want to thank you for giving me that. I want to thank you. And oftentimes the, the direction of the thanksgiving goes from me to the other person. And in that, it's not that it's bad, but oftentimes we miss 
the vertical element, the vertical, vertical direction that says Paul over and over again, his regular rhythm of thanksgiving is he thanks God for them. And so we need to, first of all, just come back and, and redirect our thanksgiving that everything that even people give us, our brothers and sisters, when they serve us, when they give us things, is first and foremost from God. And so Paul says, I want to thank God for you, for your faith and for your love. And now, here's the first point I want to get to, is that Paul takes his direction to God of thanksgiving for brothers and sisters in Christ. He thanks God for other Christians. I don't know about you, but oftentimes the people I am most unthankful for are Christians. The ones that often hurt us the most, the ones that often uh, are not the people that we thank God for. And Paul says here, right in Colossians chapter 1, he thanks God for his work of faith and love in this church, in this people. And so when was the last time you and I just sat back and thanked God that he has actually done the same work of faith and love in our hearts, that he's done it in other people? When we walk into a gathering every Sunday, when you walk into a missional community, when you walk into a home of a, another family, another Christian family, automatically you should just be so thankful that the work of faith and love is just not operative in your heart, but it's operative in their heart. And, and we have other people who God is doing the same work in and through that we can come and be with. And oftentimes I wonder if we were like the Church of Colossae, and we only had maybe 50 people in the entire city. You know, let's just say, you know, in Chesapeake, about 300,000 people, just under, just shy of 300,000 people. What if there were only 50 Christians, 50 people who claimed to be under the name of Jesus Christ in the entire city? I think that would change a lot how we think about brothers and sisters in Christ. These people would be people that we would rely on and, and gravitate to and pray with and worship with and be on mission with. These are the people that we'd orient our lives around. But sometimes I feel like there's just so many Christians who are just happy to throw some Christians away. And Paul says, no, we need to stop at the very beginning and just thank God that there are other brothers and sisters in Christ, that, that he is in the same work of faith and love that he's doing in us, he's doing in them, and we should just be thankful for them. And so Paul says, number one, I just thank God for you. And as your pastors, Nate and I, we thank God for you, that the work of faith and love that he is operating in us, he's doing in you, and we see it in you. We are so excited about what God is doing in you right now. To see your continued trust and commitment, to see the way that you love and serve others in our family, it is unbelievable. And so we thank God for you. But are you thankful to God for other Christians? Number two, in, in First Corinthians, sorry, in Colossians chapter one, we are just going to jump down a few more verses to uh, verse nine. Look in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. For this reason, since we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And so we continually ask God to fill you the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding of the Spirit 
that the Spirit gives. So here's Paul's prayer request. That this church be filled with wisdom and understanding from the Spirit. Why? Look in verse 10. Here's why he wants them to be filled. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So that when you're filled with the, with the knowledge and understanding, you're filled with the Spirit. This gives you the reason that now you can live a life that's worthy of God, worthy of Jesus. And he gives four characteristics of what a worthy life looks like. A life that is pleasing to our Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, we're bearing fruits in every good work. Number two, we're growing in our understanding and knowledge of who God is. Number three, in verse 11, being strengthened with all power to his glorious might so you may have great endurance and patience. The, the third mark of, of, a, of a life that's pleasing to God is one that's being empowered by the Spirit for endurance and patience. Okay, so what are the marks of a, of a, of a believing Christian that's pleasing to God so far? Doing good works. <laughs> being strengthened. Growing in the knowledge of God. We'd say all of those are amazing characteristics that we would probably like, check, check, check. And in order to ask you, what is the fourth characteristic of a life that is pleasing to God? I don't know that necessarily number four that Paul lists would be our next in line. In fact, Paul says, number four, the fourth mark, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you, who has made you fit to be participants, to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. The, the second time Paul uses this word thanksgiving, it's the mark, the last mark of a life that is pleasing to God as someone who is giving joyful thanks that God has transferred out him out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. It is, in essence, you are thankful that God has actually come and rescued you. And he's made you fit. He's qualified you. All the qualifications to be in God's kingdom, we had zero of. And yet now all the qualifications that allow us to be in this kingdom, to be citizens of Jesus' reign, of his realm, we now have every privilege, we have every right, we have been made qualified participants in his kingdom. And the mark of a pleasing, growing life in Jesus is one that is joyfully giving thanks to God has actually saved you, that God has actually rescued you. Sometimes in the craziness of our life and the craziness of the holidays, we don't just stop and say, you know what? God, you have saved me. You've saved me from the kingdom of darkness, a life of, of emptiness, a life of futility, a life that means nothing. And, and now because of Jesus, you've actually made me fit to be a, a participant in a new realm, in a new kingdom. In a, life, in, a, in a kingdom that's filled with life and vitality and meaning and purpose. How thankful are you this Thanksgiving that Jesus has qualified you? to share in his inheritance, that you get to be a participant of the new creation. So that's the second one. The third one is now in Colossians chapter two. 
And we look immediately in verse 6 and 7, Colossians chapter 2, starting verse 6 and 7. So then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted, built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. The clear indication in this verse is that the joyful thanksgiving is to actually characterize the life of a follower of Jesus. So as we have received the Lord Jesus and we continue to live our lives through him, the evidence of a, of a life that is continuing to follow him is a life that is overflowing with thanksgiving. It's a life that's abounding. It just is oozing out. It's coming out. It's like you can't stop thanksgiving from coming out of your mouth, out of your hearts. And yet, how often does Thanksgiving just flow out, come out like a fountain, just here and there? In fact, it's oftentimes the opposite. Actually, we live as if we live in the old world, which Romans chapter 1, verse 21 depicts the unsaved man, the natural man, as one who does not give thanks. See, I think that when we are not thankful people and a thanksgiving is not abounding out of us this is the time this is the ground it's it's fertile soil for the enemy to come in and to sow discontent to sow uh, false ideas about other people to sow gossip to sow living different lives that we don't want to live. It's the, it's the fertile ground is that we are not daily people who are overflowing with thanksgiving. We're not living a life that's pleasing to the Lord. We're not thankful to other brothers and sisters in Christ. And so when we're not these thankful people, it is prime time for the enemy to actually come and sow his evil seeds in our fields. Paul says, if you receive the Lord Jesus and you continue to walk in him, your life is overflowing. It's abounding with thanksgiving. And don't allow the evil one an opportunity to sow discord, to sow evil, to sow all these evil things in your life. But rather be people who are practicing thanksgiving. People who are actually thankful that God has come and made us his children. The fourth time in Colossians that Paul uses the word thanksgiving is in Colossians chapter 3. And uh, I'm going to start in verse 15. But 15 and 16 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. And let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So what's Paul saying in Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 and 16? The believer expresses his gratitude to God in our hearts through music. Did you catch what he's saying there? Is that we are teaching and admonishing one another through psalms and, and hymns and songs of the Spirit. And the idea here is that as we're singing to one another, we're actually teaching and admonishing one another. And then the, the act of singing is the act of thanksgiving. 
that if you, you know, I don't think this is just me. I think this is what it means to be a Christian is that the times that we really sing, not just with our mouths, but with our hearts and the times that we, we really pour out our hearts to one another. It is because we are so thankful to God for what he's done for us and through us because of Jesus. And Paul says, when you come together in Colossians chapter 3, is that that thanksgiving abounds in singing and songs. And, and what you're doing when you're singing to others is you're actually teaching them and you're admonishing them. You're like, I don't have the gift of teaching. Well, every time you show up in a gathering and you sing the truths about Jesus, you are teaching, you are singing the truths, you are singing through doctrine, the songs that are declaring to other people who Jesus is, and you are encouraging, you're admonishing people, don't leave this person, continue to persevere and to follow after Jesus. And so the activity of Thanksgiving is oftentimes accompanied with, with music, and that music is forms of teaching and admonishment to one another. But Paul goes on, number five here, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Once again, notice the direction. The direction is giving thanks to God through Jesus for everything, whatever you do. Whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you do it in word or whether you do it in deed, do it all giving thanks. Oftentimes, I think we're people who give thanks to God for the massive things, the really big things that take place in our life. When God gives us a new home, we thank God, and we should. That's a great thing. And when we get new things or blessings, massive blessings come. But when's the last time you just thank God you could walk? When's the last time you were able to just thank God you could go to a neighbor's house and talk with them about Jesus? Whatever you do, in word or deed, whatever words you say, whatever actions you perform, Paul says, give thanks to God through Jesus that you have the opportunity to perform those actions and to speak those words. And as we'll see, if you know anything about Colossians, those words are words of grace that, that bring edification and, and they're salts that have the ability and the opportunity to, to create and you know, give this idea of taste for faith in Jesus. And so whatever you do, whatever you say, do you give thanks to God for that? Or do you just find yourself thanking God for the big things? Paul says, thank God in everything you do. Then finally, the last one in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. I mean, what a short sentence. A simple command, devote yourselves to prayer. 
and the attitudes and the characteristics of, of people who devote themselves to prayer as being watchful. The idea of knowing what's going on in your society, in your city, what's going on in your life, being watchful and taking all of those concerns of, of what's going on in your city and take them to God and asking God how we can be people who, who can enter into that and be faithful representatives of Jesus in our place. And that's what Paul's asking the church at Colossae to do, is to devote themselves to prayer, being watchful. But then he says this, and thankful. See, the, the relationship between being thankful people and being prayerful people is super tight here for Paul. And what he's getting after is this idea that people who are really thankful are people who are committed to prayer. And if you're committed to prayer, you're going to be people who are really thankful. And so many times we're not people who are committed to prayers because we're not thankful people. See, if we were thankful people, we'd be constantly coming to God, praying to God, asking him for more of what he's given us, and being thankful for the small things, realizing that if we're thankful for all of the little things in our life, we're going to begin become thankful for all the massive things in our life, and as we're thankful for all the massive things, it's going to work all the way back down. We're going to learn to be thankful people by constantly being in communion and fellowship and daily talking with God. So the prayer that we give to each other, sorry, the prayers that we give with each other to God should be an overflow of our thanksgiving. And so six times in this short book, Paul gives some characteristics of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for God's people. Thanksgiving as a life that's pleasing to God. A Thanksgiving, a life that's abounding with thanksgiving, is a life that is growing in their relationship with Jesus. The activity of this thanksgiving is often seen in, in music and, and teaching and admonishing one another as we come together and we're giving thanks to God. And, and then fifthly, we give thanks to God in everything we do in word and deed. We give thanks to God that he's qualified us and he's made us fit to be people who can be people who are actors and participants in his story. And then we need to be people who are devoting ourselves to prayer, who are thankful people. So this Thanksgiving, I don't know what you're thankful for. I don't know how you are approaching this idea of Thanksgiving, but I would encourage you maybe just to read through Colossians this week. I would encourage you to talk amongst one another with other people in your MC this week and, and to just talk about what one of these areas really hits you. And then go to God and ask God to help us to be thankful people. I mean, one day that we could just be people who are not complaining about the elections, people who are not just complaining, and I'm not saying not being active in all these things, I'm saying complaining, but being not complaining about what's happening in our society with the elections, with with all the, the problems and all of the struggles that's going on in our world, not just being ungrateful that we got to wear a mask, and being un, but being people who abound with thanksgiving. That no matter who's president, we can be people abound with thanksgiving. No matter if we wear a mask or not wear a mask, we be people abound with thanksgiving. That if we have no money or lots of money, we can be people who abound with thanksgiving. And so I want us to be a thankful people. I want us to be thankful that Jesus has come to give us all of this blessing to give us all of his inheritance that we get to share in and we need the spirit to make us do that 